If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, the world's top fitness, health, and entertainment podcast, we talk all about nutrition. In particular, we talk about intuitive eating. This is a way of eating food where you don't have to always count things and stress out over things, and yet you're still naturally fit, lean, strong, and healthy. It is a process, but it's the ultimate place to be if you want a lifetime of a lean, fit, and healthy body. So in this episode, we break it all down. We break down the, the four stages of learning, and then we break down the five steps that you can take to help yourself, get yourself to a point where you can eat healthy in an intuitive way. Now, in this episode, we provide you with a lot of actionable items, but if you want more assistance, if you want more help, if you want more guidance, you can check out our Intuitive Nutrition Guide. Now, because this episode is coming out, we're going to make the Intuitive Nutrition Guide 50% off. That means you can learn, you can follow this guide, learn how to eat intuitively for under $15. So it's a very, very inexpensive guide. Here's how you get that program. Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Scroll all the way down. It's towards the bottom. Click on the Intuitive Nutrition Guide and then use the code FOOD50. That's F-O-O-D-50, no space. That gives you 50% off the Intuitive Nutrition Guide. This promotion is a flash sale. It will not be lasting long. So make sure you go check that out if you're interested. But we know you're going to enjoy this episode and get a lot out of it. So here we go. When you work with people, you work with clients uh, as a trainer, you, you figure the following thing out pretty quickly. You figure out, and now everything that you're, you're doing with a client can be challenging because you're trying to get them to do things that they haven't done before, do them consistently. You're trying to help them out. But if we broke all the things up into categories of, you know, exercise, nutrition, you know, whatever, by far the hardest thing to get somebody to, to, to change, especially on a permanent basis, diet, their mm. nutrition. It's got to be by far the most challenging well, thing. Well, it's woven into everyday Culture. life. Yeah. Everything you're doing like revolves around eating. Like, it, And you really notice this if you've ever fasted before, like how integrated eating is with all of your plans uh, throughout the day and throughout the week. I remember as a kid, uh, I, this was like, and this is before I ever knew I wanted to be a trainer, but I remember being blown away by the fact that you could eat breakfast foods or dinner foods at different times. Like I remember when I was a kid and I was at my, my breakfast for dinner. Yeah. What? Yeah. I was at my cousin's house and it was like, you know, 5 PM or whatever. He's like, Hey, you want to have some cereal? I was like, what? Yeah. And then I remember you thinking, do that? Yeah, I remember thinking like, Oh yeah, you could totally do. I mean, that's, a, that's an example, right? We have breakfast foods, lunch foods, dinner foods. We have foods that are based on context. Like there's certain things you eat at a birthday that you typically don't eat. During, like I never eat cake. Like I'm never at home just eating cake. But if I'm at a birthday, you know, I eat cake and I like cake, right? Uh, popcorn, usually consumed, um, you know, at the movies. Um, and then there's culture. There's cultural stuff around food. There's uh, how our emotions drive our eating behaviors. I mean, I would say our emotions probably drive our eating behaviors more than almost anything else. You know, whether you're you're stressed or anxious or happy or sad, that drives us to make choices. And so it's like dealing with nutrition is just so difficult and complex. Well, I'm, I have an unpopular comment too, is I think that it's one of the most addictive substances that you can consume. Oh, yeah. And because it's it's something that is essential, uh, it's not demonized. Mm. It's celebrated. It's justified. Yeah. And so because of that, I think that's what makes it really hard. We all need food to eat. That's obvious. And so when you have something and it tastes good, it's hard to say no to it. So it's extremely addictive, but nobody wants to point that out. Nobody yep. wants to talk about that because it's something that we nece that we that's necessary, right? Yep. There's a debate about that, right? Like, is it addictive? Like drugs are. First off, anything can be addictive. Anything right. can be pathologized. But you know, the argument is, do people use food? Uh, to numb themselves, right? Do they use food to distract themselves? Do they use food 
in ways that are probably not healthy in all senses, uh, which, which actually brings me to the next question. Like, what is healthy? Like, what does that actually mean? Now, for me, in, in, in my personal definition, there's the obvious. Uh, it means that you're relatively fit, healthy physically. You've got some strength. Your body fat percentage is in a relatively low, you know, percentage. And when I say relatively, there's a range there, right? It's not like you have to be shredded. It's also not obese, but there is a range of what's, you know, pretty much healthy and, and how it displays displays whether or not you have healthy, you know, patterns. There's also mental, emotional health. There's health of relationships and just all of your behaviors. And so all of that, you know, really encompasses what health is. And our eating habits tends to reflect a lot of that stuff. Like if you have, uh, you know, bad emotional health, you're probably more likely to try to numb yourself with food or other substances than somebody who may have, you know, really good uh, emotional health. So that's, and, and, and nutrition is just, I think, Adam, you hit it, the nail on the head. Because food is so celebrated and so so accessible, it's the most widely um, abused substance in modern world. And, and for people who debate that, look, if we look at the causes of, of death and chronic health problems, uh, overconsumption of food or poor nutrition uh, covers the majority of it. It really does. If you look at cancers, uh, a good chunk of cancers can be um, avoided with good nutrition. Of course, obesity-related diseases, chronic diseases like diabetes, heart disease, um, that's all, most of it or many, much of it in the modern world is related to you know, poor diet. The question is, what's happening? Why are we? Why are people killing themselves or hurting themselves with food? And I think uh, I think that's a good question. Um, now, I I think I may kind of have the answer. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty solid on this. I'm not saying I know everything, but I think I know the answer. And I think it's really because we changed our environment so rapidly, um, but we haven't changed our behaviors in uh, in accordance with them. Uh, what I mean by that is. You know, for most of human history, eating healthy wasn't uh, like it was today. Eating healthy today requires different awareness than it did for most of human history. Most of human history, you the big challenge was, can I get food? Right. Now you have to be selective. You do. Yeah, you do. That you, never happened before. Yeah, you really have to be mindful of what you're putting in your body, not just for the calories, uh, but for you know the nutrients and for what your body agrees with and can digest the best. And yeah. Then, so, I mean, these are things that are just these, – these are new parameters that we really have to step back and, and really understand the environment has changed dramatically, and so we have to consider these things. Otherwise, it becomes a problem. Yeah, for, for most of human history, you know, it was can I get food? Otherwise, I'll starve. That was the biggest problem. And then the food that you could get was either you killed an animal, which was – it wasn't a farm animal. It was a wild animal. You hunt – you got fish uh, or you found some, some edible plants or fruits – or nuts or seeds, all of which are healthy. Um, and the environment prevented us from, uh, mostly from overeating. Food was not engineered by scientists to be so amazingly palatable that it made us overeat, which by the way, we do come with natural uh, systems that prevent us from overeating. It's called you know palate fatigue. We've all experienced it where you eat so much of one food and you think to yourself like, oh, I'm totally full. I can't eat again. But then someone brings something totally different, maybe like dessert, and then all of a sudden you find yourself being able to eat again. That didn't really happen uh, for most of, uh, of human history. So then what we did, and this was, uh, I mean, brilliant. Um, humans started to figure things out. We, we got agriculture. We started to raise animals. We developed markets. And then we solved one of the biggest problems that has plagued mankind uh, since we've been on Earth, which was not enough food. We solved that. We got way more than enough food, but we got... Such, to such a point where not only do we have enough food, but we also have met every single desire and taste and whatever to the point now where it's not about managing my day to find food. Now I have to manage how I am with food. So it's totally different. We weren't prepared. We weren't, we're not dying of starvation, but now we're dying of the opposite. And so this requires a completely different paradigm. Well, I also think it's a bit of a two-headed monster too, because we're not, we're moving so so little and 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 thank god for technology because it's it's blessed us with so many things but it everything that we've created has been created with the intent of making things easier for us 
And, you know, the, I remember the first time I read uh, this article that they had written about, um, you know, just 100 years ago, what the average female would burn on a daily basis. And I remember it was like upwards of like 3,500 calories a day. And the, all the research and studies point to that the average female today gains weight on 1,500 calories. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is just because of our lifestyle, what you were doing you know, just a hundred years ago compared to today. So not only has food become more palatable and it's engineered for you to want more and crave more and eat more, but then you're, you, you compile that with, or you add that to, you're also moving, you know, 50% or more or less on average. I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster. So I, I think the first step in all of this is becoming aware. Totally. And I think that's, I spent most of my career trying to help people realize that. And even myself, I mean, uh, this, this, this is something that took a long time as a trainer for this to come full circle. Even for me, there was many things. I, and I still am guilty of this today. I'm still guilty of, you know, being sucked into some Netflix show that I'm like binge watching for two or three hours in a row and mindlessly getting up to the kitchen and grabbing something and mindlessly continuing to eat even probably after I'm full. But because I'm so into the show, I'm distracted of what's happening in front of me. So to me, the the first step to this is just learning to become aware. Well, yeah. this is one of those situations where the problem and the solution are the same thing. The problem is that we eat intuitively. The solution is that we need to learn how to eat intuitively. Mm -hmm. I, saw, I know that sounds, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, yeah. but I'm going Which to. Which voice is right but, inside your head? Right, but I'm going to explain a little bit. Right, so uh, so here we are, modern humans, a completely different environment. Food is everywhere. Food tastes really good. It's accessible. It's easy. Don't have to hunt it. We don't have to run after it. We don't have to find it. It's 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 just right in front of our faces. So it's presented us with a lot of these unintended consequences, and it starts with. Us literally, you know, there's four stages of learning and, and most of us are in that first stage of total and complete unawareness. We don't know what we don't know. We are unconsciously incompetent. So this, is a, this is an interesting space to be in. It's like, you know, I, I remember uh, the first time I went and, in, 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 you know, shot a gun with my dad. My dad owns a few firearms. He took me as a kid and the first day there, I just didn't know that there was so much to, that there was so much that went with it. I had mm -hmm. no, I just didn't know because I'd never done it before. So immediately, I became consciously incompetent. I became aware of all the stuff that I don't know. A lot of people are like this with exercise, right? They never work out, and they're like, "Oh, exercise, I just go to move," and then I'm, you know, I'm working out, and then they start doing it. And they go, "Oh, wait a minute, there's a right way to move. There's resistance training. There's cardio. Different types of resistance training." Then they start to realize. That they what they didn't know that they didn't know that they didn't know they realized that they were unconsciously incompetent. So a lot of us are in that stage of uh, unconscious incompetence. We literally don't know what we don't know. So the first step is just to become aware and say, "Oh, wait a minute." There's a lot of stuff I don't know about nutrition. There's a lot of ways that I eat that I think I just wasn't aware about. Yeah, it sort of it reminds me of when I I'd never taken a lesson before in my life on how to play guitar. I just played by ear. I just would sit there and try and pick it apart myself. And uh, and I enjoyed that. And I got, you know, to where I could play songs and could play things and sort of pass. But then I took I took lessons and it was like so frustrating for me knowing that I had sabotaged myself mm -hmm. with these bad patterns that I had established and had thought I was thriving with. But in reality, if I would have just, you know, taken it back and learned the techniques and the way to hold my hands, you know, properly, I would have advanced way further along if I would have taken the time to really learn, uh, you know, the entire process uh, specifically. Yeah, you were little, you were unconsciously. I was unconscious. unconscious. Yeah, it's like um, there's a story that uh, someone told me a long time. I think it's, I, I, you know, I think I can't remember where it came from, but it was always fascinating to me. It's like there's a man that was born with one eye sewn shut and he was born that way. Nobody ever told him. And then finally someone says to him, hey, you know, you do realize that you could see much more if you just cut the threads that are sewing your other eyes shut. And he's like, what are you talking about? I see just fine. I've, I've always seen fine my whole life. Doesn't realize it until they cut the threads. Then he opens his eyes and he becomes aware that he was unaware. He becomes aware that he, that he was missing half of the world because one of his eyes was, was sewn shut. So the first step is awareness. Now, how do, you, how do you bring awareness to how you eat? 
you have to slow down, stop, and not be so distracted. This is this is the first step is one of the hardest, believe it or not. So you know, there's a there's a few ways you could do that. Um, you know, don't watch TV while you eat. Don't be on on electronics while you eat. Um, when you're eating, pay attention to what is in front of you. Pay attention to how the food tastes. Pay attention to the emotions surrounding food. You know, when you when you're when you're ready to get food and eat, normally you might stand up and grab something. Stop and ask yourself, wait a minute, why am I grabbing this? Am I hungry? Am I bored? What do I feel right now? This is not an easy uh, process, by the way. It literally, it's like, it's like learning how to walk differently all of a sudden. You walk right now when you walk, you don't even think about it. You take one step, you take another step, you just walk, totally unaware that maybe you're walking in a way that may, may be hurting your back. So now somebody comes out, an expert, and says, "Hey, actually, the reason why your back hurts is because you're walking in a particular way. We need to change the way you walk." Well, first you have to realize that you're walking in a particular way. Then you have to learn, relearn how to walk, which means every time you take a step, you have to think about it. You can't just go to your automatic where you were before. So the first real, the first step into moving into a proper way of intuitive eating, because here's what happens. We're all eating intuitively based off of very crappy information. We've all been taught that the, the main value of food is it's flavor, it's taste, how much we enjoy it. Our it's, intuition sucks right now. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's to- what it is. Totally. So we're, we're intuitive, leading us astray. We're intuitively eating based off of just that. Like, oh, what makes me, you know, what tastes good? What's enjoyable? Hedonistically, what's enjoyable? Yeah. I mean, if you intuitively eat based off of that, you're going to you're going to make choices that are not going to serve you as a whole in terms of health. So bring awareness around that. Here's another thing you could do to bring awareness. Learn about macros and calories. This is a this is a great way to start to it's it, it used to be at first when I first became a trainer it always blew me away when I would talk to people about proteins, fats and carbs and they'd say things like Oh, uh, this has a lot of protein, right? Like, Actually, no, it doesn't. You yeah. know, oh, carbs isn't that you know this or well, what about sugars? Are sugar a carb? You know, and and what what has a lot of fat? I, I heard there's good fat and bad fat, but I'm not sure where I can find those types of things. People just don't know about those things. So one of the best steps to bring in awareness is, you know, and this is this is something Adam's been hammering for a long time. Well, track your food. I think it's mandatory. I, th- I think it, you, I think everybody has to at one point. And I, I know there's camps that are on, on both sides of this, right? There's some people that believe like, no, I think if you just become more aware and pay attention to this, and, and I know you, you allude to uh, just avoid processed foods, that's a great step in that direction. But honestly, it's it's a lack of education around this. Like you just like you said, you're unaware of what's good, what's bad, the habits that you're doing, and so just simply tracking helps the awareness part. It's not about you need to be a slave to writing everything down for the rest of your life. It's like, hey, I'm doing this so I can look at look at myself and see if there's patterns. Mm-hmm. Because in in my career, one of the things that I I started to piece together was. There are a lot of patterns. There's a lot of things that uh, that people have in common. Like here's one that like was was uh, you know crippling my progress forever. I was like dialed Monday through Friday. I mean dialed nutritionally, dialed training, and then my thought was, hey, Saturday I'd sleep in. I'd still get to the gym on Saturday, but that was kind of a you know a, a looser day movement wise, and a little bit more flexible eating. And then Sunday was completely off day, and then I would, and my thought was, man, if I am perfect five and a half days out of the week, I should still be seeing great results. But when I actually started to like write it all down and calculate it, it was, holy crap, that one day was actually enough to negate me continuing to see progress. Mm-hmm. Even though I was doing way more good during the week, it didn't matter. It, all it took was one day of lack of moving and overconsumption to negate all the good work that I was doing during the week. And that just brought awareness to me. And that would bring awareness to clients. And that was mine Sunday, but it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes that's a, a Tuesday for you. You know, it just depends on the person. And and you don't know this until you really start tracking and paying attention. Dude, to my it. my son, uh, you know, occasionally will say thing will will tell me that his head kind of hurts, and I'll say, well, are you, I, maybe you're not drinking enough water. Oh no, no no no, I drink I drink enough water. I, I drink plenty of water. So I said, okay, do this for me. Write down how many glasses of water you drink throughout the day. And he was blew himself away. He's like, oh, I guess I'm not drinking enough water because. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't aware. Mm-hmm. Podcasting. 
brought a lot of awareness to me in terms of how I say certain things. It's right. like I, I would oh, talk yeah. a particular way, listen to an episode, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I do sound a little bit like a jerk right there. Ooh. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of did communicate that in the wrong way. I would have never known that had I not recorded it right. and listened to it. So tracking is 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 massive. So and, and luckily, look, back in the day, it was much more of a pain in the ass. You, you listeners right now have no idea how, how if, especially if you're younger than, yeah. than 30, you have no idea how awesome it is. When I used to have to track back in yeah, the day, a book in pen and paper. That's yeah. it. They, they used to have this. I forgot what the name of the book was. They guesstimate. Uh, yeah, the, the calorie calories. CalorieKing.com That's finally right. became a website, but before that, yeah, you just had to uh, read a book about it. I had the the book before it was a website. It was a little book. Yeah. that you flipped through, and, and it would have break. every food, or sometimes right. foods weren't in there. So right. like and by the out. and by the way, this is and this is another layer to this, but. You know, those are all very, those are uh, generic numbers too. Yeah, totally. I mean, another part that was eye opening for me, I remember this was, you know, blew my mind. You know, I, I began, I was tracking, I was doing all these things, but I would only track the things that I was a little worried about or that I thought would be really high calorie or what I thought yeah. bad. If it was good food, I'm not going to track yeah. that. It's, I can guesstimate about what that was. I'll never forget the first time I weighed a sweet potato. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. going to say a big ass potato versus yeah. a small one. And, like, and, this and is a huge medium difference. One. Well, and when you look in that, exactly, you look yeah. in the book. It, it, one of those books, it would say something like, oh, a, a medium sweet potato is 80 calories or 120 calories, whatever. And then I figure, oh, maybe this is a large one. It looks pretty big. So I'm going to get, what, 50% more calories I'm going to add to that? And then you weigh it and it's like eight times more. <laughs> it's like, whoa, I was underestimating like 400 calories right there. So that's happening. And I know if, if if I was a trainer for a decade and that that I became aware of it that late in the game, there's many things that clients do just assuming like, oh, I'm eating almonds. And because your your hand goes in there in that jar and you grab a handful of almonds two or three times, you go, well, yeah, yeah, sometimes I have a few almonds. Well, yeah. do you have a few or do you have more like 50? And 50 ends up being like 400 something calories. Like, And if you ever looked at like a, a small handful of almonds and a serving, which is 200 something calories, is about 25 almonds. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a kid's handful. Yes. It's nothing. I remember the first time I did this with chicken breast. I remember being like, oh, six ounces of chicken. Okay, no problem. And then I remember one of my trainers at work for me is like, that's not six ounces, bro. That's like 10 or 11 ounces. I'm like, what? Yeah. They don't make chicken breast that big. <laughs> sure enough, I weighed it and I was consuming like 40% more calories because I thought a six ounce chicken breast was a normal size chicken breast. Dude, when I was, e yeah, I was eating fruit like it was out of style. Yeah, like before, like the whole high glycemic, like everything high glycemic too, thinking it was fair game and not even realizing how much my sugar like yeah. would add up at the end of the day. It was just, it was appalling to me. Yes. And so, yeah, just even that, like I had to recognize. Yeah, so tracking, great step for uh, bringing awareness. Another thing you can do is slow down. This is going to sound silly, but it legit works. Uh, in between bites, put your fork or your spoon down. Chew your food, swallow it. Don't drink water because water sometimes we wash food down really fast. Or you could eat with your opposite hand. You would be surprised at how much you have to like pay attention when you're eating with your opposite hand, which starts to bring awareness to kind of what's going on. I mean, we've all been there, right? Where we're distracted, we're eating so fast. Next thing you know, I look down, I'm like, oh. I ate an entire sleeve of Oreo cookies. I didn't oh, yeah. realize you're you know, eating the, your food in your car real fast, yes. and like mindlessly. Yeah. The other the thing time. to become aware of is is nutrition labels. Uh, you know, if you're somebody who you know intermittently has you know processed foods in there, which nothing wrong with that, but you you need to be aware of how off those can be. I mean, these labels can be 20, 30 percent off from what they say. FDA allows this. Mm. So, and, if, and you better believe if something is marketing to you as a healthy food, they are going to lean towards the lower calorie, lower fat, lower sugar number on everything. So you got to understand that when you open up something and you go, oh, this is healthy. It's got the, the heart on the box and it says <laughs> yeah. low calorie or whatever like that. You can't just take it and say, oh, that's exactly what it is, calories. Right away, I teach clients to just factor in 25% more of whatever the label says. So if you're somebody too who does two or three things out of a wrapper, out of a box or anything like anything that's packaged, even if it is quote unquote healthy, the number that it says on there, there's a very good chance. In fact, there's it's more likely 
that it's off. Totally and, true. And, and it's it's going to be rounded down because that's what benefits them for marketing purposes. They wouldn't do well if they call it low calorie and it's higher than what it, what it says, right? You know, serving size is another big one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember, you know how I learned about serving sizes? Weight gainer shakes is how I first learned about serving sizes and not through food because, you know, as a kid, I was skinny, wanted to gain weight. So I'd buy these shakes that would be like, you know, Mega Mass 4000 or Gainers Fuel 5, you know, 2000 or whatever. And I'd buy these shit, and I'd buy the one with the Mass biggest gainer. Yeah, with the biggest number. If it said five thousand, I'd get that one instead of the three thousand. I'm like, oh, this one's <laughs> that made definitely. A big difference, and yeah. then I remember at home, I would have this huge. It was literally a bucket of weight gainer. I'm like, oh, this one's five thousand. This one's gonna be awesome. Then I'd take out the the scoop, and it was a box looking shovel. It was yeah. huge, and it would be like five scoops. A sand shovel. And I'm like, no wonder it's 5,000 calories. This entire bucket is three servings. And then I started to look at food that way. This is only 300 calories. What's a serving? Oh, a serving is literally a quarter of what I would normally eat. You know, mm-hmm. that's another way to do it. Oh, I remember when I became aware of that. Mine was like when you know, I was drinking like these sugar drinks, you know, that it's a, it's like a, a 12 to 16 ounce, you know, can of something. And I'm like, oh, that's not bad. 160 calories, you know, 14 grams of sugar. It's not great, but it's not bad. Oh, well, it's two and a half servings inside <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a serving. That's one serving to me. I, I don't. I don't. Who ever talking about the one? Whoever takes a, a 16 ounce can of something and drinks it three times. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody does that. You no. open it, and you drink the whole thing. But then up in the right hand corner, the nutrition label, real small, it says two and a half serving size Super per can. Sneaky. Yeah, these are all things that uh, nutrition labels and FDA allows them to get away with it and for marketing reasons they're going to manipulate it in every way they can so you know the the first stage of all this if we're moving towards intuitive eating is you first got to come become very aware totally totally in the second now here's the second step once you become aware once you go from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence you're it's natural for you to want to judge yourself it's going to be very natural for you to be like oh my god what an idiot look how terrible that was What's happened? This is so. Oh, try to avoid that as much as possible. You didn't know. Now you're learning. No judgment. Just observe. Just become aware. Because here's the problem: when you start to judge yourself, you're adding a layer on top of awareness, and actually right. prevents awareness from happening. The self-judgment is one of the one of the biggest roadblocks to success with nutrition. One of the biggest roadblocks, the the biggest roadblock being just not being aware, but not but judging yourself is like it's a wonderful next roadblock. I can't tell you how many clients who would sabotage themselves because they would judge themselves. Yeah. They would start tracking, they'd start becoming aware, then they'd slip up somewhere, they'd figure out they're eating too much, then they judge themselves. Oh my god! And what do they end up doing? They go way on the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Or they start to really hate themselves. Or, oh my gosh, why can't I do this? Or, oh wow, I didn't realize I was eating because I'm depressed. Oh my God, that's making me more depressed, which then does what? Makes yeah. you want to eat more, right? Right. So it's you ha- cycle. You the only way to be, you have to become the observer. You have to become the thing behind all of it. And that means don't judge yourself because that's going to kill you. Well, part of that layer is this. And again, another thing, I think a lot of like the passion that comes from us talking on this podcast is our our own shit, man. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I didn't think I was judging myself, but I was, uh, because one of the things that I would do is if I didn't uh, have a perfect day or I didn't eat quote unquote good or, or, or following my plan, I would just say, fuck it all. And I, I had many clients that had that same type of attitude. It's like, oh, I screwed up, so I may as well screw it all up and just go all in, right? I, I already, I already wasn't supposed to have pizza. I had two slices. May as well have eight. And I'm just laughing because, uh, like, Courtney had this saying that I always used to like laugh. Like, she had a really bad day and would come home and be like, "Honey, it's ice cream, alcohol, fuck it all." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. "Oh, it's one of those nights." Huh? Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. true. It's yeah. true though, and that that is a form of of judging yourself, totally. right? You're 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 judging one decision to decide I want to have a slice of pizza right now and just shaming yourself for it. And then your response to that to revolt back and go, ah, fuck it all. Fuck it all. Right. Yeah. And that and that behavior leads to this yo-yo dieting and the swings of up and down and up and down and these bad patterns and behaviors. You're, that's so true. You're not going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. And one of the worst things you could do is be like, okay, I'm doing so good. I'm doing so good. I'm doing so good. Oh no, I just slipped up. You know what? I already messed up. 
Yeah. I'm already, I'm, I, I fucked up. Let's just go yeah. in the opposite direction. Yeah, forget about By it. By the way, this is a behavior that you see with, uh, with people who are addicted to substances. You'll see somebody who maybe avoided alcohol for a long time 100%. and then has one drink and then, be, and then their mentality becomes, I've already had a drink. I've Let's already, keep going. I've already let myself down, which is, you know, judging yourself. Now I'm going to have a binge. It does, that is a, that is self-destructive and you cannot, possibly progress to a healthy way of intuitive eating if you're constantly judging yourself. Literally mm-hmm. sit on the backside. And it's okay to look at things and say, ooh, that was a, a decision that helped. That was a decision that didn't help. There's nothing wrong with that. But the self-judgment, the negative self-judgment is what's going to keep you from uh, from seriously progressing, which really takes me to the third one, which is to completely redefine your motivation. Uh, the, the judging leads to something that's extremely negative, which is being motivated by hating yourself. Mm-hmm. Nobody and nobody has ever achieved optimal long-term health by working out because they hate themselves. It's never happened. It really never yeah, happened. You eventually break, even you, if you've been going for years straight. You eventually break or you know, you see a lot of guys who turn to anabolic steroids because of the self-hate or, or your women. Body re- who, or your body revolts. Your, your body rebels. It, it completely distorts the decisions that you make when it's motivated by self-hate. You know, if, if I am going to the gym because I'm disgusted with myself. By the way, this doesn't have to necessarily be a conscious thought. So it's not like you're looking in the mirror and being like, I hate you. I hate the way, you know, but you have to kind of examine and be like, all right, am I motivated to go to the gym? Because I don't, I really think I look disgusting. Like I'm afraid to put on a bikini or a bathing suit or, you know, because I'm I'm disgusting. Because if that's the case, here's what ends up happening. You're headed to the gym and you're feeling kind of tired. You're a little beat up. Didn't sleep good the night before, but because you hate yourself so much, you know what kind of workout you're going to do? A punishing one. Yeah. That's what feels satisfying, by the way. If When you hate yourself, it feels good to be bad to yourself because you're going to treat someone you hate poorly. This doesn't matter if it's you or anybody else. If you hate someone, do you want to treat them nicely? Of course not. If you hate yourself, you do the same thing. So workouts become punishment. Nutrition becomes punishment, becomes restriction. Or on the opposite, which is... I can't hate myself anymore. I need to love and I need to live my life. And then it goes in the opposite direction. Well, it, it also can be dangerous tying it to aesthetics too, because it, it can be very deceiving and misleading. Oh, sure. So uh, in this, another thing that I remember, you know, this unfolding for me too, uh, you know, you would, you would eat say a couple slices of pizza and then you would have this bloat, you know, or maybe you ate something that your, your body's allergic to or intolerant to. And so your body responds by retaining and holding water. And in your head, you think that, oh my God, just that yeah. little miss up gained all this fat. All right. Of a you think you put on all this body fat and because you, you attach your results of, you know, you doing good or bad only to how you look, mm-hmm. then you get this mind fuck of, oh my gosh, I barely slipped up and look at the way my body looks now from that the next day like this is too hard forget it and then they throw their hands up think about it this way it's, it gets easier when if you can separate yourself from this i think it gets easier to understand imagine you have two sets of parents okay both of them raising a child one set of parents hates their kid they hate the way that they talk move they hate the way that they look how they perform in school so everything that motivates the parents to discipline the child is coming from a place of god i hate this kid I really don't like this kid and the way they're acting. Okay, now think of another, the other set of parents. Everything that motivates them and the way that they treat their child is because they love them. They want them to do better in school because they love them. They discipline them because they love them. They want them to succeed. They want them to be good human beings because they care about them. Which set of parents is going to be successful at raising a good human being? Obviously, mm-hmm. it's the one that it's the pair that loves the kid. Okay, now let's flip that for a second. The other one's gonna be a psycho. <laughs> now let's flip that. In fact, the studies show that parents that that with low love and high discipline raise psychopaths. Right now, now let's flip that on yourself. Okay, you hate your body. You hate the way you look. You're fat. You're too skinny. You're ugly. Whatever. So because of all that, I'm gonna work out. I'm gonna diet. I'm gonna do all this stuff to change myself because I hate myself. Now let's flip that for a second. You love yourself. You want to take care of this body because it's yours. You want to go to the gym, not because you're disgusted and you hate yourself, but because you want to take care of yourself. You eat not because you hate how gross you look, but rather you want to take care of yourself. Which one is going to lead to long-term health success? Okay, now let's add another layer to that. Which one's going to lead to long-term looking better? Is the person who's 
ultimately it's going to who's healthy because they love themselves is that person going to look better long term or the person who treats themselves because they hate or treats themselves in a way because they hate themselves obviously health good health coming from a place of care leads to good aesthetics this is the this is the irony of the whole thing this is the conundrum if your motivation comes from aesthetics you hate the way you look so you just want to change your look eventually you'll get neither aesthetics and you'll definitely not get health because once you have poor health, you don't look good. People in poor health don't have good aesthetics, okay? Not, at least not for long term. On the flip side, somebody who's motivated by self-care is going to get a great deal of health and simultaneously as a side effect- Yeah, it's a byproduct. Get a great deal of looking good. This is the irony of the entire thing. Even if right now you're listening and you're like, you know what? I can't, I can't motivate myself by care. I just really, I, it's so difficult for me. Okay, fine. You want to be motivated by aesthetics? You'll get more aesthetics if you take care of yourself because you care about yourself. Use that as your motivation. Fine. You want to look good? That's all you care about? Then take care of yourself like you care about yourself, and that is going to change all of your behaviors. You cannot eat in a way that's intuitive, that's healthy long-term if you hate yourself. It will not work. You have to do it from a place of care and love. Well, part of that is learning how to listen to your body. Totally. You know, and and that is probably I think I feel like this is the phase I I spend the longest amount of time becoming aware, getting people to track and start to point things out to them, short phase in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Getting them to really tone in on how their body speaks to them. It's everything. That is it, it's it's even hard to articulate on a podcast and explain to somebody. Like, you know, what does that look like? I don't what well, it first looks by you evaluating and looking at things that you probably haven't been looking at most of all your life. At least that's how it was for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't I wasn't measuring my 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 sleep how well it was or not. It was just you know I had I had what I would call oh a good night's rest and not a good night's rest. That's all. There was nothing in between mm-hmm. or trying to attach oh, it. I had diarrhea today. Weird. Right, right, or exactly. Stool would be another example of that. Like oh, it's just normal that you have these weird shits every now and then, and sometimes they're good ones. I I wasn't trying to tie. Back to okay, what did I do the last twenty? What did I intake the last twenty four hours? And that and it goes to Sal's point about his son with his headaches. Like, you know, I get a headache. Oh, I just have a headache. I wouldn't go back and go like, oh, have I been drinking water? Have I been eating? That wasn't. You just assume that these things that happen to you are just random, right? Right. Yeah. Versus really starting to look into them and question your own behaviors in the previous 24 hours. And this phase takes a while. Poor health, if it's not due to some genetic issue, which it's, believe it or not, more often than not, it's not that, right? It's actually not super common for someone to be born with an actual genetic uh, health issue. Most of the time, poor health symptoms are from your lifestyle, your behavior, how you're eating, how you're sleeping, all of that stuff. The problem is so many of us have lived with them for so long and never never learned to look at them that way mm-hmm. that it we don't even recognize it. Like how many people listening right now get headaches on a weekly basis? It's just a part of their yeah. it's just a part of I just take Advil and it takes it away yeah, from yeah. me. How many people suffer from heartburn on mm-hmm. a, a regular on a, on a semi-regular basis? So they got Tums or Rolades or something else, or even worse, they take a prophylactic uh, medicine, and then that that solves the heartburn. How many people have skin issues that mm-hmm. tend to pop up? Um, there's a lot of them. How many people have less than one bowel movement a day, or tend towards High diarrhea, blood pressure, like skin issues, all that stuff. Wait, wait, you know, puffy eyes, uh, stiff joints, lightheadedness, strong body odor, halitosis, uh, mood swings. There's another one. You ever wonder why? A lot of people don't think this. Why do I get irritable? You know, uh, later in the day. How come later in the day I tend to get, you know, I start to feel like I'm, I'm angry at people? Or why do I get so, you ever hear that like 2 p.m. Uh, energy drop everybody talks about? Like, oh, after lunch, man, I want to just fall asleep. These are all signs that you could pay attention to. And oftentimes you can link them up to behaviors. And oftentimes those behaviors are, are really your nutrition. Right. One of the, I mean, obviously the one that I still struggle with is the stimulant thing. Like if I'm, overstimulated. I need to bring in like this exogenous stimulation to get myself moving and going. Like there's something there, like there's something there that I need to address sleep wise or, you know, nutrition wise that uh, I could, I could take, you know, into account or drink more water. There's, there's, there's all these things you really just need to sit back and evaluate uh, and really pay attention to your daily habits and routines. Well, what what do you think to, to start off 
you know, you recommend what caffeine, dairy, gluten, sugar, the common offenders. Yeah, yeah, nuts. I would go nuts, dairy, gluten, uh, sugar, caffeine, um, legumes. Those are the common the common foods that tend to cause right uh, and, people and, issues. And so the key or the steps so you have actionable items. How do I start this process of trying to learn how what my body's speaking to me is. To eliminate all of them is to pull them out and stick to a kind of a, a bland, straight diet for a period, extended period of time. Typically, I recommend a client to do that for at least three or four weeks mm -hmm. of doing that. And then slowly introduce one at a time and then really pay attention to all those signs that you just listed off. Dude, and then so here's even a further step. I had a client a while ago, it blew me away, this person suffered from these just random kind of rashes that they would get yeah. uh, on their elbows and you know on the inside of their elbow joint and the back of their knee. They'd get it on the kind of the back of their neck. Couldn't figure it out. Would go to doctors. Didn't want to take suppressive medications. Didn't want to keep rubbing ointments. Couldn't figure it out. So that's what we did, Adam. We cut out those foods. Uh, nothing happened. So the next step, as I said, let's look at foods that you eat all the time. You know, Let's look at food. Every single morning for I don't know how many years, this person ate a banana. Every single morning. So I said, why don't we cut the banana out? You have it every single morning for years. Let's see what happens. And I remember my client saying, banana, bananas yeah. are healthy. Right. I said, you're right. Typically, they can be healthy. But if they're not right for your body, then it might be causing problems. Lo and behold, the banana was causing the problems. Mm -hmm. They eliminated the banana and they stopped getting those issues. Now, now, why is this important? Well, I'll tell you why it's important. Besides the fact that you're going to identify things that make you feel better, make give you better health or whatever, what you're doing is you're associating foods to the positive things that they, that they give you and your body. Now, why is this a good thing? Because right now, most of you listening right now only associate food with how good they make, that it tastes and how, how enjoyable it is to eat. So your, your whole the way you intuitively eat now is based off of just that information. Now, once you become more aware, you will actually find, and this is 100% true, you will find that you'll start to crave foods that normally you wouldn't normally think of that would be valuable because before it was all about taste. But now you start to crave foods because, oh, this one makes me feel good. This one helps my digestion. Oh my God, this one gives me more energy. And you'll actually find that you'll seek those foods out. Well, I want to go back to the banana comment you just made because this is actually, this is what I found was very common for me too, is like, you know, if it wasn't these common offenders, it almost always was the food that the client loved. And a lot of times yeah. it is a food yeah. that could be healthy. So I want you to explain, because I think you explain it much better than I do, like get into uh, gut permeability and how that, how that happens. Like how does a banana become something or how's right. an avocado or one of these healthy foods how does something like that become something your body becomes intolerant like a to a foreign invader yeah right. so so when you're eating a food over and over again and let's say your gut becomes inflamed for whatever reason you have an infection maybe your diet's off maybe you're under a lot of stress when your gut becomes inflamed like all inflammation the tissue expands so now you have the cells of the gut that typically uh, have a certain level of permeability meaning that they allow things to pass through when they're supposed to. It's actually a very smart barrier, right? Some nutrients pass through at this point, others at this point, and that's how we digest food. It's, it's a very, very smart system. But when you're inflamed, it becomes more permeable. Things pass through the gut when they're not supposed to, and the way the body might respond is by developing an immune response because it thinks it's a foreign invader. So now this food that you have all the time becomes something that your immune system reacts to. And the way that your immune system reacts is by causing inflammation. And this shows up as headaches, stiffness, skin issues, vision issues, uh, bleeding gums. I've, I've actually seen this uh, become a, a problem with some people. So you start to develop all these immune reactions to foods that, and this is you know what it looks like. It's like, God, I used to be able to eat that. I eat it all the time, never bothered me. Now all of a sudden I just realize it starts to, it starts to bother me. Well, you've actually developed and intolerance to that food. And that can happen to any food. And my theory to that, right, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that it, it's just increasing the odds because you have it so often, yes. right? So if, yes. you, if you eat a banana every single day or two a day every single day, yes. the likelihood of that becoming a foreign invader is just because of that. Because it just happened to get coupled with a day that you had extreme stress or your body was inflamed or you were really sick 
or you were pushing beyond your limits, or you were grossly overeating, and then you were also eating that food that you're always eating. Totally. And so, so back to why it's important to figure these things out and start to value food for all the things that it can provide you. Okay, I'll give you guys an example of how this this works for me. When I travel, you know, when Mind Pump is traveling. We often eat out quite a bit. Obviously, we're, we're traveling. We don't have time to cook for ourselves. And we try to make good decisions, but it's always eating out. And so the more burgers and fries you know, come into my diet, way less vegetables. It's hard to get good vegetables when you're, when you're eating out. So I get way less vegetables. After about five days of this, do you know what food I crave the most when I, when I get home? Vegetables. I want vegetables. Now, why do I want vegetables so bad? Because it helps. Now, if I, have to, if I break it down, I want it because... It helps my digestion. But on, on a surface level, I literally crave them. I literally want to come home, and the first thing that I want to eat is a big salad or a bowl of broccoli or some boiled rapini with some olive oil on it. And it's because I've made those associations. And by the way, food marketers know this. They've been doing this to you for decades. So this is a trick you can do on yourself. It's a hack that you can do on yourself. I mean, they'll do studies where they give people ice cream and they serve ice cream in clean toilet bowls, totally clean, brand new toilet bowls. People eat way less ice cream. Why? Because toilet bowls are right. mentally associated with poop <laughs> or whatever, right? Why do why do we have beer? Com- it's chocolate. Yeah. Why do they have beer commercials with, you know, it looks cold, it's on the beach, there's a hot girl, there's a big party. You start to make those associations with that beer. You can do that to yourself with foods simply by not just valuing the pleasure of eating that food, but also valuing all the other things it brings you. And that comes only from listening to your body. Well, and part of that is is practicing this, oh, right? So that- Totally. It, you know, part of the reason why you can do that and you make that association and you actually truly do crave it isn't because the very first time you ate bad, no. you craved vegetables. It's because multiple times- You've taught yourself, oh, wow, when I go back to eating this way, I can just feel myself recover and get better and get back to normal digestion. And you've done that enough times and probably not done it enough times that you've been able to make that connection. And so part of this, all these steps, the final one, the fifth one is practicing, is putting this into practice. It's not going to just magically all happen for you the one time. You're not going to like eliminate these foods, try something out, and then all of a sudden, oh, okay, I get it now. I can intuitively. Totally. You're going to fail a bunch of times. You're going to make some bad decisions. You're going to see, but you're going to need to practice that multiple times before this really all starts Dude, to come together. How do you get yeah. good at anything you've never done before? Uh, you, you have to practice it, and you're going to suck, and it's going to suck a lot. It's like learning to play the piano. There's no way you automatically touch the keys and you're just Beethoven all of a sudden. You're awesome on the keys. You got to pra- oh, hit the wrong key, hit the wrong key. Keep going. keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing. But here's the payoff, okay? The payoff is this. Here's what it looks like. It eventually what this will end up looking like if you practice this long enough and in my experience with clients, it's not as long as you think. It's not like this takes 10 or 15 years to do. First off, it's a continual practice, so you're always making sure to remind yourself, staying aware, not judging yourself, always making sure that your motivation is in the right place. So this is always happening. But eventually, after about a year or two, it starts to become more natural, a little more clockwork. What's the payoff? A a, a relatively lean, strong, muscular, healthy body without stress. Imagine that. Imagine if you could walk around relatively lean. You're not going to, this, by the way, intuitive eating is not going to make you super shredded because super shredded is not healthy, right? Uh, So let's remember that for a second. If you want to get super shredded, you got to go and track everything and weigh everything. You got to go more extreme. But you're not going to be overweight. You're not going to be, you're not going to have so much body fat that you can't see definition. You're going to be relatively lean, relatively healthy, strong. You're going to feel good. And this will be your natural stress-free default. Imagine that. Imagine walking around not worrying and stressing about food. Oh my God, I got to get this protein. Oh my God, I got to get these macros. What am I going to, oh no, I binged. Oh no, I did this. What's going to, it's, you're just living. You're just living your life. And the result of that is a healthy, fit body. And that's what happens with proper intuitive eating. And this is why I love fasting. And this is how I like to teach intermittent fasting. Now it's been bastardized now and turned into a weight loss tool and a marketing tool but 
this is where it has tremendous value. And part of practice, you know, one of the best things to do when you're when you're trying to read and finger all these signals is to break free from all of it and learn that, oh, wow, I don't necessarily need to be eating every single two to three or even right. four hours or at lunchtime or at dinner time or these things that we've we've actually created as these behaviors. Once you learn to fast, you do a 24, 48-hour fast and you realize, oh, wow, I'm actually, once I kind of got through the psychological part, I'm actually okay right now. In fact, some people feel better and more energized when they haven't had food for 24 hours a lot of the time. So right. that is like how I love to use this tool is – I, I teach clients to fast for these reasons, not because I'm like, hey, let's fast so we can lose some body fat. No, it's, hey, let's fast so you can really clear out anything that you're taking in because you're not getting anything. And then as we start to introduce, we can really evaluate better what's going on. Yep. Yeah, it's really hard to bring awareness to your habits until you can step out and 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 look from a different perspective. And it, it just helps to kind of present you with uh, like not being in those day-to-day -day habits of just kind of falling into what your normal routine is, but to really like feel that, like I, I'm not, I'm not eating right now. And like, what would I be eating at, at this situation? And, uh, it just allows that opportunity for you to really like take a, a deep look at uh, you know how you operate and what you and what you do day to day. Right. By the way, this is why fasting is present in in every major religion and why it's present in in most spiritual practices. And that's not a it's not to lose weight. It's to bring awareness. And fasting works for a lot of things, not just food. You can fast from electronics. Try that. Try yeah. try two days of of zero electronics and watch how much more aware you become. You know, you can fast from sex and find how much more aware you are around some of those behaviors. You can mm -hmm. fast from a lot of different things. This is the proper use of fasting. Now, if you're super stuck on weight loss, you have body image issues, and you just want to lose weight, I do not recommend you use fasting because it, your your ego or you you will only turn it into a tool to bring you backwards. It'll become a weight loss tool, and then it's not fasting anymore. Now it becomes starving yourself or you know restricting and binging. If that's you, I do not recommend fasting. But if you're not that and you're in a position where you can use it as a way to bring awareness, fasting can definitely be a very, very uh, powerful tool. Um, and with that, look, we record all of our podcasts on video as well as audio. That's right. You can watch us as well. We have a YouTube channel called The Mind Pump Podcast. You can watch the videos. You can look at our facial expressions. You can see how I haven't gotten a haircut in like three weeks. Yeah. Go check it out. By the way, when we do our Q&A episodes, we break up the episodes by questions. So you don't have to listen to the whole podcast if you watch it on YouTube. You can literally pick the question you want answered. Watch just that segment so you can get all the value that you want without spending time on listening stuff that you don't want to. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.